Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. It says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Now, uh, I knew King James. Um, I grew up learning it in King James. So there's some art and so forth in there. And this is just a little uh, more modern rendering of it. You need to know, though, that this is a, a model, that Jesus is teaching us a model. He's giving us a guide. This was never a mandate. This is a model. So it's okay to recite it, but don't recite it, pray it. And today, I hopefully will help you that if you want to do that, put some power behind it, because when you have some meaning behind it, it'll help you put some power behind it. But again, it's, it's a guide. It's, it's almost, uh, I, I hesitate to say a, a template because you don't have to necessarily do it exactly like this. But if you look at all the context, the preceding verses, you can see that Jesus is saying, don't pray like that, and don't pray like that, and don't pray like that. He said, pray like this. And so he's giving this example, this, this model of simplicity and a guide so that you can be powerful in prayer. How many of you know that there is power to be had because of prayer? Amen. Well, for the rest of you, there's power to be had in prayer. He's also showing us uh, something that is very important. Don't clutter prayer. And don't complicate prayer. Sometimes people are trying to put so much in and and then it becomes burdensome. And Jesus is modeling again for us here that this is actually simple and this is powerful. Not all aspects of prayer are included in this. You know, there's there's some things and, and that's okay. There's some things that he doesn't include in the model of this that sometimes you're led to go a little more in this direction of maybe confession or thanksgiving or intercession for the needs of other people. And he, do, he doesn't necessarily include that right here. Um, it is in the context of the empty prayers and the repetitive prayers and, and the to be seen by others prayers of hypocrites and heathen. And so I love in Matthew 6, verse 6 through 9, in the message paraphrase, Listen to what he says. This precedes the Lord's Prayer. He said, here's what I want you to do. And this is awesome advice. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. That's beautiful. The world is so full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows you better. He knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this, our father in heaven. And he goes into this prayer. Now, notice that he starts out our Father in heaven. Another way to say that is our heavenly Father. Fifteen times, fifteen times in the Sermon on the Mount, this word Father comes up. And this relational term, this relational concept is just key. It's just key to understanding uh, and receiving 
in the right in the right way with God. Now, now get this. So often, let me put it this way: too often, people's view of their heavenly Father is skewed and distorted because of their view of their earthly Father. And we like to think that that's not the case, but once you attach that Father image with God, some sometimes we limit. Then we're it's skewed, it's distorted for us. You had maybe your dad skipped out on you. Maybe dad was always angry. Maybe dad was always drunk. Maybe dad was uh, you didn't know dad. You know maybe dad was mean. Maybe dad was awesome. You know what whatever it would be, you tend to overlay that on your view of God, and um, that's that can distort this. And let me just say this to you in all due respect: your heavenly father's not your earthly father. And I was real blessed. I had, a, I had a, a, an awesome father. I had an awesome stepfather. Well, I still have my stepfather. And, and, you know, I'm blessed in that way. But even still, the inconsistencies of any human father. You know, I, I was even praying yesterday. I was looking over this. Father, don't, Heavenly Father, don't let my fatherhood, how I'm a father, and I'm trying to be the best father I can can be, don't let my inconsistencies, don't let my shortcomings hinder my children's view of you as a heavenly father. And we're going to, in, in future weeks on our real life series on Wednesdays, we're, we're even going to talk a little bit about, about this concept because it's huge. There's a lot of people that won't trust a heavenly father because of an earthly father, which every earthly father that's here, listen to me, change gears and be the man, Okay. Change gears and be a godly father. This is so important. It's not just about you and what you want to do right now. It's about a generation to come. And you need to understand this and generations after that. Because you are going to set something in motion just like people prior to you have set things in motion. Let's change gears. Let's let's change the tide on that. And it's easy to see why the enemy would target our young men in the way that he has to throw things off all over the place. Amen. Well, we're thankful for a heavenly father. Thankful for a heavenly father. And Jesus starts out with this. And then he says, hallowed be your name. How many of you used the word hallowed this week? (laughs) No, probably not unless you read your homework. But it actually has to do with to be honored. To honor, to be revered, to to be holy. The New Living uh, Translation says, may your name be. Be kept holy. And understand this, his name, hallowed be your name. God reveals himself by his names. So do you. And his name is himself. If somebody mentions your name to me, I view you. I, I, all of you, what you're like, what you look like, what you do, our relationship, our interaction, or whatever that would be, your name represents you. Are you following? And so he's saying, we want to honor your name. We want, and, and the way it is in the Greek, it's may your name be kept holy. In other words, it, it's this. May you always be honored. May you always be honored. And Jesus is starting a prayer in this way. And so that needs to be our heart also. God, in my life, may your name and may you always be honored. Anybody here? Then he goes on to say, your kingdom... Come, your kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. Your kingdom come. Now, kingdom, remember, is a place or a realm where God rules. 
And the kingdom, if you'll recall this, the scripture says in the, in, in the gospels that the kingdom is coming, the kingdom is near, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is with you, the kingdom is in you. And it's like, okay, which one is it? And what it is, it's all of those things. And the kingdom is here, but the kingdom is also coming. The fullness of the kingdom. So let me put it to you this way. The kingdom is more and more present. And it's a place of God's rule and the kingdom should be growing on the inside of you. Y'all folks here. I'm telling y'all good news. Some of y'all are still trying to crack the code on the cheeses joke. Okay. So get with me. But it's more and more present. And the, the kingdom, this is actually to say your kingdom come to pray. Your kingdom come is actually an invitation that you're, you're inviting more of the inbreaking of the kingdom and more of the expansion of the place where God rules. And guess what? It brings with it righteousness, peace, joy. And so we should pray your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Then he goes on to say, your will be done. And I'm going to use this word here, purposes. Purposes. Everybody say purposes. Your kingdom come. Your purposes. And notice what it says. Your will be done. Then what does it say? On earth. What? As it is in heaven. So think this out with me. Okay. Part of the key of understanding scripture is to slow down and to think. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so who's supposed to do his will on earth? You are. Okay, well, it told you, your will be done on earth by me, by you, as it is in heaven. So our first question should be, well, how is it in heaven? And here's how his will is done in heaven, I believe. Without question, without hesitation, and cheerfully. Wouldn't you like to raise some kids that when you, how many of you know that you weren't that kind of kid either? Okay. And so your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means this. I'm praying, Lord, help me that I would do your will, fulfill your purposes without hesitation, without question, and I would do it cheerfully. Now, really, the way this all lands, it lands on that last clause there, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so it's on earth, let that represent earth, as it is in in heaven. So on earth as it is in heaven, that's now the universal sign for that. We typically read it this way, though. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But the way it's actually structured is this way. All three of these cascade down. All three of these form a triad, so to speak. And they come and they land on this clause on earth as it is in heaven. So may your name, may you always be honored on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. I invite the inbreaking and expansion of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Well, it's so easy for us to just say on earth. Let it come on earth. But you know what? we got to Google map this thing and zero in just a little bit more. And uh, let, let me stop and put it this way. How many of you are guilty of reading the Bible for other people? 
Do you know what I mean? I mean, you're reading your Proverbs, you're reading along, and the fool says, oh, I know who that is. <laughs> Send him a text with that one. And the next one comes up. <laughs> and you think of all these other people. And maybe sometimes in service, I say something, you kind of duck so the person behind you gets it, right? Right? So we're all guilty about that. And we're quick to say, yeah. May you always be honored and your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. Hope all those people get it. But let's look at this thing on earth. The first place that you're responsible for it to happen on earth is you. It's in your life. And it's not later, it's now. So really, this is imperative and it's now. And it means, it means this, that we're praying to a heavenly father. And we're saying, in my life, right now and always, may you always be honored. And I invite your kingdom into my life. Let this be a place of your rule, on earth as it is in heaven, in my life. And may your will be done without hesitation, without questions, cheerfully, in my life, just as it is in heaven. Y'all getting that? So the first half of this prayer then... His honor, His kingdom, His purposes on earth as it is in heaven. The second half of this, our needs find a place to be addressed. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Did you know, did you know it's okay to ask your Father to feed you? It's okay to ask your Father to provide for you? And He says, give us this day our daily bread. It has to do with our daily Needs. If you remember back in Exodus 16, how he provided manna. Now pay attention to patterns in scripture. He provided manna and he provided it how many days out of the week? Six. Six days he provided every, every day. And then the seventh day, he, and you're technically correct, Pastor Ron, uh, because he provided on the sixth day for the seventh. So what God will do, and you need to understand this, because one of the literal readings of this is this. Give us today our bread for tomorrow. Which is saying this, that God will either provide today for today, or God will provide today for tomorrow. Which is saying to us that there's a continuous provision of God from our Heavenly Father. And so it is okay. A matter of fact, it is encouraged. We're going every other place trying to get our needs met. You need to go to your heavenly father first and honor him and invite his kingdom and his will. And then it's okay to say to him, would you meet my needs? Would you help me, father? Would you take care of me? And not just for today, but every day, would you take care of me? And David said, I've been young and now I'm, I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread because he provides for his own. Amen. Hallelujah. And for us even to say, provide for me my daily bread means that you know your source. This acknowledges, this honors God that you acknowledge him as your source. It would be like when I was a little kid, sometimes my mom would just put me out of the house. We had a screen door and put the hook on the door. And I'd just play all day, you know, drink out of hoses, steal fruit off of neighbor's trees. I'm making it worse than it was. I had a blast. And then sometimes I'd go over, Mrs. Gibson, can I have something to eat? 
She called my mom and now I got in all kinds of trouble. Why are you asking Mrs. Gibson for something to eat? I'm your mother. I said, because I was locked out. And you were watching the dating game. Which is probably why I was locked out. But you know what? My mom was upset and offended that I'd go to somebody else to seek provision. And you honor your heavenly father when you say to him, you're my source, you're my provider. And, and, it, and I should have worked out a rap and some moves for this. But here's the way it goes. You got to know where to go. You got to know where to go. And he's your source. You know, I was thinking about this. I've had donuts before at, at like the tire place where you get your tires fixed and all that. I've had donuts before there. But I don't go there for donuts. You go to the source. Are you all with me? I think I could get them there. No, no. You, you know, God may have used your friend, your mom, the government, whatever. But you need to understand. He may use them, but they're not your source. And you've got to understand to go back to your source. Heavenly Father, provide for me my daily bread in an ongoing way. Amen? Now. And then he said, forgive us our debts, our sins, our trespasses. How many of you are glad for that one? Come on. Come on. Ah, well, keep reading. Forgive us our debts as, even as, we forgive our debtors. And so, this word debt is an accounting term and it has to do with something's out of balance, something's out of missing, something is missing, something, some transaction needs to take place. You know, it's kind of like the song Christmas Shoes, you know, the little kid's up at the counter, he doesn't have enough money. And somebody reached in and paid. You know, you and I owed a debt that we could not pay. Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe. He paid for us and forgave us our sins. And then he said, I did that for you. And I want you to do that for other people. And what it is, it's a cycle, just like there's a love cycle. We love God because he what? Because he first loved us. And then we say we love God. We love God because he first loved us. And then in the same book, first John, it says, and then we say that we love God. He said, don't even tell me that you love God unless you love Unless you love other people. And so then this cycle keeps going. The love of God came to us and then we don't kick it back. So I love you, God. He said, no, if you love me, then go love other people. And it keeps this thing going. Well, we've been forgiven. I said, we've been forgiven. Have we forgotten? We've been forgiven. But we don't just stop right there. Then he said, even as you've been forgiven, let me read to you a verse here. Colossians uh, 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Don't break the cycle of forgiveness. Right after the Lord's prayer in verse 14 and 15 there in Matthew chapter 6, he said, because if you don't forgive other people, you're not going to be forgiven. You go, whoa. And if you look at it all, we've already been forgiven. But now he wants us, just as Christ has forgiven us, he wants us to forgive others. But then when you stop this cycle, I'm sorry I didn't make it up, and I'm really not happy it's in the Bible. But it's there, folks. We can stop and break the flow of forgiveness, even coming back to our lives again because we refuse to forgive. You know, in Matthew 18, further in the same, same book, a king is settling accounts 
And he calls a guy in. He goes, pay me what you owe me. And in today's economy, it would have been millions of dollars. And he said, have patience with me. Please be merciful and I'll pay you back everything that I owe. And it says they had compassion, he had mercy, and he said, I'm going to forgive the debt. You're free. How many of you would be pretty happy? Well, this guy should have been happy, but you know what? He went out and found a guy that owed him like 250 Put him in a headlock, gave him a noogie, and a wedgie. That's not actually in the Bible, but, uh, but I got your attention back. And he said, pay me what you owe me. And if you read it, this guy said the same thing that this guy had just said to the king. He said, please be merciful to me. Be patient with me. And he said, I'll pay you back everything I owe Not good enough. And he put him in debtor's prison. Word got back to the king about this guy. And you know what happened? The cycle of forgiveness got broken. And the debt's back on him. And he was put into prison. And it says the same thing will happen to you. Look, folks, I'd rather avoid these hard verses. But this is the truth of Scripture. Do not break the forgiveness cycle. Yeah, but what they did to me is far worse than I've done to anybody. Don't break the forgiveness cycle. My sins, your sins, their sins, those were the sins that put Jesus on the tree to start with. And he paid the price for all of their sins. And he wants all of us then to not just receive forgiveness, but to forgive, to forgive those that have sinned against us. Amen. Yeah. And do not lead us into temptation. It's literally saying, lead us around, lead us away from temptation. Look at me. Look at me. You can avoid temptation. Let me tell these folks over here. You can avoid temptation. I got to tell them. You can avoid temptation. You can overcome it. Sin does not have dominion over you. One of the first things you could, should confess when you confess sin is this. I didn't have to do that. You freed me from the power of sin. It doesn't have dominion over me. Forgive me that I didn't reach out and call out to help for help. But here's the thing. Lead us not into temptation. Temptation's always going to be there. But what we're praying and we're saying, with a fresh awareness of forgiveness, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. With that fresh awareness of forgiveness, now we're saying, and lead us not into temptation. A fresh awareness of forgiveness is kind of like this. You just got your car out of the body shop. And you got it all repaired and it's shiny and new. Forgiven. You want to avoid collisions. So it's like, I've been forgiven, now lead me not into temptation. Help me around future temptation and sin. And he'll do that. He'll do that. In James 1.13, it says this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Do you hear that? Nor does he himself tempt anyone. God won't tempt you. It says, but each man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So you've got to, you've got to kind of guard this whole thing. Second Peter two, nine says the Lord knows how to deliver. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. So if the Lord knows how to deliver you and I out of temptation, we should ask him, Lord, deliver me from temptation. 
Lead me around. Lead me away from temptation. We also read in Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Listen to that verse in the message. Stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God. But there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. So what do you do? You watch and you pray. And some of y'all, the reason you're having temptation is because you're watching what you're watching. So watch, be careful, be alert and pray and ask that the Lord would lead you around and away from temptation. He goes on to say, then deliver us from the evil one. In the Greek, it is the evil one. It's not just evil. If it were, if we were praying, Lord, deliver us from evil, then the answer to that is to take us out of the world. Jesus said in John 17, verse 5, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. And so what he's saying here is we're not having to take you out of the world because the world is full of evil, but it's the evil one that he would be guarding us, keeping us, helping us. Do you know, do you believe that God will help you to overcome the devil? And why don't we pray that? Instead, we just kind of go out there like this or we go out there like this. And we think in our strength or lack of strength, I'm telling you, call upon him. Be delivering us. It's ongoing. Be delivering us from the evil one. And it says in in, uh, 2 Timothy 4.18, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Amen. And then finally is the doxology of this prayer. Doxa in the Greek is the, it's honor, it's praise. And the doxology, help me with this, is for yours is the church, I'm waiting on you. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, don't shoot me, okay, but I got to tell you this. That's not in the original manuscripts. By the second century, it started to show up in copies of manuscripts. And by the fourth century, it was common in liturgy and and all over the place. It comes from 1 Chronicles. And I'll just read you part of it here. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. But here's the thing. I think that it was more or less implied that when Jesus gave a model of prayer, he gave a model of prayer, it was more or less implied that they would, because of who they were, would add doxology to it. Listen, a Jewish prayer without a doxology, such as yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, that's unheard of. That's just unthinkable. That they would even end a prayer without doing that. And so... I, I believe what it is and that that's just assumed and applied that that would be added. And listen to me. It doesn't hurt it. It doesn't change it. And I believe it's always appropriate. Hear me. It is always appropriate to say in yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now, this incredible model of simplicity this guide to power in prayer. It acknowledges God's honor 
and it addresses our needs. It combines, it combines the power of the kingdom with our everyday life. And so such a powerful prayer and model prayer that Jesus gave us. And Jesus said this, pray like this, pray like this. So with some fresh understanding, a fresh look at this, I want us to read. I want us to pray this prayer together. I've got it in the New King James and we're going to put it up. Let's all read this, read this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Take that and use that. That's such a connection. Jesus laid it out. You know, we've entitled this series, Jesus Said. We should just so focus in on what Jesus said. It's just life changing. It's earth changing. Amen. Amen.